Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where books and writing topics are center stage and where authors give voice to the written words. I'm Landis Wade, and on behalf of my co-host, Hannah LaRue and Sarah Archer, we thank you for listening. The Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hey, readers and writers, welcome to this episode 364, Charlotte Readers Podcast, Beyond 300. I'm here with co-host Sarah Archer and Hannah LaRue, and we've got a great show for you today. Yes, we do. This is my house today. I'm doing all the <laughs> questioning. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Death by Podcasting, which was co-written by Landis and Sarah. Um, questions by yours truly, me, clearly very excited about that. <laughs> um, Jennifer Ruff, who is a USA Today bestselling thriller and mystery author, says that the book is this clever comedic mystery and it will keep you guessing until the final revelation. Uh, Bobby Nash, who is also an award-winning author of the snow thriller series says it's a unique cocktail. That's pure fun from start to finish. And Nora Gaskin, great friend of the podcast, um, an award-winning author of the worst thing says, if you binged only murders in the building and are feeling withdrawal pangs, you need death by podcasting. There you go. There you go. Yeah, (laughs) That's right. Thanks to all those, uh, Authors who uh, had those nice things to say. Yeah, thanks to those authors, and I'm excited for Hannah's questions. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, next up, we're also going to have a writing topic discussion for you today with a blog by Kara Kagan called Rejection Perfection, where she explores the great expectations and reality checks that come with publishing. Yeah, we're going to finish up today with reading recommendations. We've got a number of elevator pitches also to share with you and uh, what's coming uh, in the rest of the episodes this month. But first... We're going to talk about what's up with the co-hosts, and uh, we just got back, because uh, we're recording this before, but we've just gotten back from the North Carolina Writers uh, Conference. Uh, if we were traveling in time, we've just gotten back, because we're recording before it happens, but we did have a great time, didn't we, folks? We had a great yes. time. Yeah, it was wonderful. Very memorable. I remember, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're going to have a great time, and we did have a great time, yeah. but uh, let's talk about uh, what's coming, what's up, and... Uh, Maybe we can start with a couple of events that are coming up. Uh, Sarah, you want to lead us off? Yeah, we have a couple of events coming up in November. Um, on the 15th, we're going to be at Park Road Books. Landis and I are going to be there at 7 p.m. Um, we're going to have a special launch for Death by Podcasting. And we're also going to talk about the Right Quotes series now that all eight books are out. So we'll be talking about our process with all of those and some of the lessons learned and sharing our fun a comedic mystery novella so that'll be fun and then on november 18th um, we're also going to be at the uh charlotte mecklenburg library doing another one of our workshops that we've been doing with the right quote series this one is on books four five and six so it's kind of a continuation of what we did with the first workshops but if you didn't make one of the first ones you can come to this too it's going to be freestanding and you won't be confused (laughs) but those have been a lot of fun a lot of great discussion with the writers who show up and we do some writing exercises um so look for that on the library's website november 18th from 10 to 2. yeah and uh what else have you been up to Sarah? Oh gosh. So uh, this past weekend, I was at the North Carolina State Fair, which is always one of my favorite Mm -hmm. yearly events since childhood. That was fun. Um, Did you get some fried butter? I mean, isn't there a thing? I've heard there's, I didn't, I didn't have the fried (laughs) butter, but (laughs) (laughs) we saw like, uh, gosh, they they fry everything like fried pizza, fried bacon. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Fried bacon actually sounds very good. (laughs) I I did have, I didn't have any of those, but I did have some other good food. Um, So that was fun. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were in Shenandoah National Park in Virginia doing some hiking and went to Washington, D.C. and did a lot of museums. Um, if any writers go to D.C., I definitely recommend the Spy Museum there. Like if you're looking for story inspiration, so many cool stories there. That was a lot of fun. Um, I've been getting some of my own stories published in different literary magazines. So I'll share links for those as they come out in the newsletter and um, doing some screenwriting development now that the strike is kind of finally <laughs> finally tapering off, even though the actors are still on strike, so it's still a little complicated. Uh, yeah, and still on the personal side, just preparing for the arrival of the to-be-named baby <laughs> in February. Young lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's getting close. That's great. That's great. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's uh, a lot happening uh, in your life, uh, and it, it will... 
like that roller coaster at the state fair is going to start moving more quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to take advantage of this time while I can. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Hannah, what's going on in your whirlwind life? Gosh, yeah, honestly, like, your all's life is way more busy than mine right now. I feel like all these <laughs> events coming up, baby coming, state fair. Um, gosh, yeah, I guess not a whole lot. I mean, we have the, yeah, right now, the conference coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, in this case, it's already passed. Great time. Um, <laughs> I'm actually, I've been gearing up all summer for a few book launches I've had coming up uh, this fall. So at this point in November, yeah, I will be kind of in the midst of uh, me just being like a psycho person, always calling and emailing people and doing a lot of talking and annoying uh, journalists. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Gwen um, is like getting ready to walk right now and she's already been climbing our stairs. So it's like she's she's kind of been like an interesting um, baby. It's like she, does, she never really crawled. She sort of scooted along and then just decided one day she wanted to stand up and start climbing things. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so you're skipping a whole couple steps here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> giving us a run for our money but she is just like so funny she's funny kid so we're having a lot of fun with that right now <laughs> that's great that's great well in my world amongst everything else we we got going on with the uh the book launch uh for uh death by podcasting which will be one week from today uh from when this comes out uh it'll it'll release on november 14th so you can still pre-order it uh but uh I hopefully will be into our condo in Durham by then because we're supposed to uh, have closed uh, by the time this releases. And um, not leaving Charlotte, but uh, we'll have a little small place in Durham because, of course, that's where Simon lives. And Simon, uh, my my grandparent name, if I haven't shared this before, is uh, Grandis. Mm -hmm. And uh, Simon, you know, kids at that age don't quite have their R's, so I'm Gandis right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 when Simon wants something, he says "mo please, mo please," <laughs> and so uh, he doesn't quite get the idea of uh, FaceTiming when I'm in Charlotte and Janet's in there. So he'll say uh, "mo mo Gandis, please, mo oh. Gandis, please." So, <laughs> that's so uh, sweet. Yeah, so, so that's, if you hear that, you're willing to pay whatever to get a condo. Right? Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. Mo Gandis. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna start mo calling Gandis, you that. <laughs> <laughs> Gandis Wade. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh so yeah, so that's that's fun and lots going on. And so I'm looking forward to the whole uh Death by Podcasting and uh everything that uh, we're doing with the library and and more to come. So yeah, let's uh hey, let's jump into act one here, which is going to be led by Hannah in just one second. We have a newsletter called Beyond 300, and we'd love to have you sign up. This is where we share what's coming on the podcast, provide helpful links, and keep you updated on the podcast and the hosts. You can sign up at charlottereaderspodcast.com or the websites of the hosts, leandiswade.com, sararcherwrites.com, or spellboundpublicrelations.com. And by the way, we won't spam you because that takes way too much time. All right, uh, Hannah, this is your show. So uh, we're in Act One. Uh, we're going to talk about death by podcasting. So take it away. I'm here. <laughs> Star of the show. You guys can actually just leave. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, this is such a cool book. I was really honored um, when Landis and Sarah asked me to be one of the early readers for it. The storyline is super um, unique. I've never read anything quite like it. Um, so do you guys just want to tell us a little bit just about the storyline? Like, what is it about? Give us give us the background details. Yeah, so, well, we, we were talking about inciting incidents at our last workshop, and this one, the inciting incident is pretty much right there on the first page. You've got these two podcast co-hosts, Raspy Fuse and Salty Remarks, who host a uh, literary podcast, not based on ours, even though it has some similarities. Not based on real life. Yeah, anything. not based on real life or real interviewees. <laughs> um, but they even, get... Even though they help authors give voice to the written words, it's really yeah, not based on Yeah, we, we put in, like, a few nods to this <laughs> podcast, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so they they get this anonymous text that one of the authors that they're 
planning to interview for their big year-end live event that week is going to murder them. But they don't know who's sending this text. They don't know which author it's going to be. They don't know why. Um, There's some kind of suspicious backstory where they find that these three authors were also interviewed together on another podcast, and that podcaster died in mysterious circumstances. So now they're like, hmm, maybe we should actually take this seriously. At first, they're kind of like, oh, this might be like a joke, a prank from a writer friend. And then the more they learn, the more they're like, no, there's definitely something going on here. So they, uh, one of them is a, a mystery writer, one of them is a thriller writer. So they kind of put on their detective hats, pulling from their own experiences as readers and writers and start to investigate what's going on. Um, and we get to know the three authors. Landis, do you want to tell us about those? They're fun characters. Yeah, well, so uh, I have to give credit to, to Sarah here because uh, I was laughing We were when we were writing this. She came up with the names for these three authors. Uh, there is egotistical poet William Z. Wisp. There is sexy romance author, sexed up romance author Della Molasses, and tightly wound thriller writer Edwin Nocturne, who's the uh, author of Blood on Her Hands, which uh, is remarkably similar to the storyline of the of that other podcaster who died. Anyway, uh, they uh, they've never met any of these folks, and uh, but by the way, you can probably tell by now with the names we've chosen for our podcast host and and for these authors that this is kind of a campy comedic, you know, let's make fun of everybody, you know, <laughs> and that's what we did. So yeah, uh, those are, those are the, uh, authors, uh, but we have, uh, some podcast support team members that kind of get into the mix too. There's Dan, the IT man, there's a uh, Mike reader who owns a local bookstore and there's Penny leverage who owns an earful studio, which does the audio recording. And, uh, then we got other characters like Rocky fist and, uh, Dr. T- speak to me and, <laughs> my personal <laughs> favorite is Doctor Speak right. to Me. <laughs> you went overboard with the names, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, when they start to realize that there there's something going on here, they're going to have to use their uh, experience writing mysteries and thrillers because not only are podcasters, they're writers uh, to kind of unravel this plot before it's too late. And if they can't, um, they're going to have to use their sense of humor and wordplay to avoid death by podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's that's it and i thought i thought this would be a good time i thought i've got a little piece from uh, uh the audiobook that's going to be coming out mid-november as well uh with our wonderful narrator uh bill a jones who narrated deadly declarations and the christmas trilogy books that i wrote here's a little scene it's the second scene sarah um maybe you can set this up because what we're playing is just a little part of the second scene where Salty Remarks gets uh, some text from from Raspy, but Raspy's had something happen in scene one. Yeah, so Raspy gets a text first that um, he, from this anonymous texter telling them there's a death threat against them from one of their authors they're set to interview. And then Salty starts getting texts from Raspy being like, something's going on here. Yeah. We need to talk. We need to talk. She just wants to like chill and have a beer with her boyfriend, hang out on yeah. a Saturday. Um, but she starts to realize like, okay, I, I need to take this seriously. And now they're kind of both in on the game. All right, so here's the here's a little excerpt. It's just a couple minutes. We'll listen to that right now. Salty Remarks swallowed the last drop of her draft IPA at the bustling bookend bar and grill in Noda, her and Raspy's artsy, cool neighborhood in Charlotte, North Carolina, which was named for its main street, North Davidson. The brewery was an old favorite for Salty and her boyfriend, Josh, who looked pretty fine today in his skinny jeans and tight-fitting T-shirt. She was about to order another round for them when her phone buzzed. It was Raspy. What now? She and Raspy had been together all morning recording online with two authors and planning for their big year-end live event. And it was Saturday afternoon. Time to kick back, have a few drinks, and spend some quality time in the sack with Josh. She ignored the call and gave Josh a smile. A text followed that included the words, Podcast Urgent. It always felt urgent around Raspy, her best friend since college, so much so that she joked with him that his last name, Fuse, fit his short fuse liable to burn fast from worry. He worried most about doing his job well, whether that be his regular job as a paralegal for a criminal defense firm or this podcast gig. Podcast urgent could mean sketching out the entire next season or coming up with a strategy to get an interview with a recent National Book Award winner. Salty ignored the text and motioned to the server. Her phone buzzed again. Where are you? She turned the phone over, but the buzzing didn't stop. 
When she flipped the phone back, there were four more texts. Put your beer down and call me. Take your hands off Josh and call. This is serious, Salt. He'd called her Salt since they'd teamed up. He was the pepper to her Salt, a lame joke about their skin color. Life and death serious. Okay, life and death serious was worth a return call. Raspy had never gone there before. All right, there you go. That's just a little uh, teaser from uh, the second uh, scene, which uh, we don't call these chapters in the book. We call them takes. Take one, mm-hmm. take two, take three, because as Sarah uh, and Hannah know, we've had some takes. We've had to uh, take out before. <laughs> and so this is our takes. But yeah, so that's the setup, uh, Hannah. I love that. It's That's a great um, selection to share as well. I, I love the names so much. And I think just in that same vein, you know, um, how did you guys, it's kind of an interesting concept, really, having a thriller, um, but it's funny, right? So it's, there's kind of like this humor, this to- undertone of humor, maybe satirical a little bit with the names. Um, how did you decide you wanted to do kind of a funny mystery? Like you wanted it to be funny, too. I think I pushed uh, Sarah. I think uh, initially I had this idea uh, because we had interviewed several authors on the show, um, you know, Nancy Northcott did some co-writing and then uh, we have Bobby Nash who was one of our uh, blurbers for this book he wrote a short uh, one hour read and I was thinking I wonder if that would be possible and I said I know I'm going to try to talk Sarah into doing this and uh, maybe we could blend our writing styles because she's written a funny uh, you know uh, literary fiction piece about the girl who falls in love with her boyfriend and uh, I'd written mysteries and so I thought let's Let's try this. And, and I had this idea, uh, kind of, I was thinking about, you know, only murders in the building, you know, there's a murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I had this idea, well, what would it be like if one of our authors uh, threatened to kill us? You know, then, that was the only idea I had. You know? And I pitched that to Sarah and I said, you want to do this? And then Sarah, you can pick it up from there. Yeah, well, I think if we had done it like totally straightforward and serious, yeah. then maybe yeah. our authors would be more worried. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also, yeah, I think just having some humor in there is kind of a natural fit for both of us. Like like you were saying, my book, The Plus One, has some humor in it. Deadly Declarations has some humor in it. Um, and I just think it's fun. Like we, we included a lot of sort of tongue in cheek references to podcasting and what that's like, and also to writing and reading and, you know, talking about things like inciting incidents and characters and, um, you know, writer's block, like a lot of things that writers deal with, but incorporating those in kind of a, a funny sort of inside joke way throughout the book. So I think that if you're a reader or writer yourself, you'll, you'll, pick up on some of those things and appreciate them. Um, yeah. And having some humor in it just made it a lot more fun, I think for me. Yeah. And if you're a writer who's reading this, you know, have a sense of humor. We make fun of writers, but Hey, it's fun. To <laughs> we especially make fun of poets. I have to say we go pretty hard yeah. on the poets, but yeah, we, <laughs> we, so we do we, like we, and respect we, poets on the show. <laughs> we, took on, we took on all writers in the sense that everybody mm-hmm. wants fame and glory and everybody's going to read your book and, you know, and if you don't, you might just kill somebody. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like the satirical aspect of it though. You know, it's just like you're reading it and you're just like, it's so over the top, but at the same yeah. time, I think it's cool though, because it is, <laughs> you are kind of going in on this, on the writing world and like this, you know, creative soul kind of thing, but it, it's grounded by the actual mystery at hand, which is a really fine line and balance that I think you guys had to find. There's one character I really wanted to ask about, and of course this is the one I wanted to ask about, was um, Dr. Toomey, who is a therapist (laughs) specifically for authors. How did you come up with this character? That evolved a little bit, because Sarah, I think I remember when we were first talking, we we were thinking about having a a sort of a mystery therapist in a prison or something, but then as things uh, took hold... We thought it would be fun uh, if all these authors had to see be seeing a therapist because they were writers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because because of everything that happens to you, you know. Because think about, it, I mean, when you're trying to market your book, when you're trying to write your book, pitch your book, you know, there's all kind of angst and gymnastics you're doing in your brain. We thought there's got to be somebody out there, right, that would treat that. <laughs> and so <laughs> let's have Doctor speak to me, <laughs> be that person. <laughs> What do you think, Sarah? Yeah, yeah. And honestly, like, I, I haven't looked, but I would not be surprised if there's someone out there who bills himself as a writer therapist and who does that. I think there would be a market for it because, you know, as writers, we all know writers have issues. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yeah. And of course, you know, Dr. Dr. Speak to Me is also a writer herself and she has some kind of secrets of her own, her own backstory. But yeah, I think that we had a fun time getting into kind of some of the insecurities that writers have and just how competitive and difficult it can be as a writer and the lengths that people go to, to try to handle that. Uh, and some of those scenes with her talking to her clients are fun. <laughs> yeah, we just, uh, we just listened uh, to the scene that the audiobook narrator um, has done for when she's first interviewing the three authors as a group before they're going to go on the podcast. It's a really great scene. I, I not, I mean, the way he pulled it off and performed it, I thought was really great. Um, he's got a great uh, knack with that, but mm. uh, I like his voices. So when you guys were fleshing out each of the characters, you know, like you're saying, and you can definitely feel this while you're reading it, um, you know, you're making fun of podcasters and writers, really. You're kind of um, focusing in on some of the more wide-known insecurities that writers or creatives in general might have. Um, how did you kind of decide the different things that you wanted uh, each character to be? Like, how did you flesh out each character and decide how they all sort of operated and what were their biggest insecurities and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it was like sort of thinking of characters that we could pair with each other, like with the three authors you wanted them to represent pretty different genres. One is a thriller writer, one is a poet, one's a romance novelist. So they have very different perspectives. Um, and they each, I think, have their own issues and insecurities, but they also share some commonalities of all uh, feeling like maybe their books haven't gotten as much attention as they deserve and wanting to sell more copies and struggling with the competition. Um, and so I, I think that you see that writers can come at it from different angles, but they all still kind of walk the same path and have a lot of the same struggles. And with Raspy and Salty, I think that we wanted them to feel like a good kind of buddy cop team in, in a sense, um, you know, and, and their personalities play off of each other. And you can see how they could have like a fun banter on the show. Uh, Raspy tends to be a little bit more anxious sometimes and worries about things. And Salty is more like, let's just get to the point. Let's get through this. And then we have the support team. And I thought, okay, you know, and folks, we don't have a huge support team here. We are the support team of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh, we do have, uh, you know, a web guy. And, and I hope our web guy thinks this is funny, you know. And, and, and we have, we've hired audio people and they know who they are. And we hope they think this is funny. And, and we work with bookstores and we hope they think this is funny. Mm-hmm. But we try to make them a part of the mystery too because they start making connections with these authors behind the podcasters' backs and, you know, the podcasters don't know why and all that kind of thing. So, but it was kind of um, uh, evolutionary in the sense that uh, we were kind of writing this. Uh, I think I wrote an opening chapter and then Sarah wrote uh, a chapter and I leaned on her with all the poetry all the stuff about musicality and enjambment and all the, that's purely Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so we had fun uh, with that and just kind of developed it as we went. And really um, it was a process of, uh, you know, unlike what we might've done with the longer novel where we sort of sketched everything else, we just had kind of a rough idea. We wrote to that idea and then we did a lot of editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Landis came up with most of the plot, um, so I credit him for most of the kind of weaving the mystery because that's mm-hmm. not something that I really have much experience with as a writer, and it's definitely a different type of plotting than if you're writing something that's more just kind of a you know character drama or comedy or something like that. Um, and that stuff can get pretty intricate, especially because we had a lot of characters and a lot of suspects and a lot of red herrings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that that was fun, but Landis came up with most of the plot, so kudos <laughs> to him. Yeah, but but really, but she did a good job of helping okay where do we place this you know clue and where do we not tell them too much at this point and Mm -hmm. so we had a lot of that back and forth and really we edited each other pretty hard I mean and neither of us took offense we just kind of sent back and forth and then we got the uh, early readers involved and y'all Hannah you gave us good feedback we get good feedback from other early readers and we we incorporated all that into the mix for another round of editing and uh I mean, even though it's a novella length, it seems like uh, we worked this thing over pretty good. Yeah, and I think that was like one of the best parts of the co-writing process for me was having sort of a built-in first-line reader because um, having that extra feedback from other people, I think is such an invaluable part of any writing process. And when you're working with a co-writer, you are each other's first editors and you have someone there who is 
also equally invested in the project, um, who's going to read thoroughly and, and give you thorough feedback on your parts. And, and you can really like go back and forth with those critiques. So that was helpful, I think, to have like um, a, an intense edit on the first round as opposed to just trying to like ask beta readers or writers groups for critiques. And the other thing we did was I read the book uh, Self-Editing for Writers, which I talked about before on this podcast uh, over one weekend and applied that at length. And then I went back and put it through uh, Pro Writing Aid a couple of times. And then Sarah did something similar when she went back uh, and, and went through it. And we just kept chopping, chopping and get working toward active voice and working toward eliminating things that might have been repetitive and to try to keep the pace up. Yeah, we got, I forget what the word count was at its longest point, but we got the word count down a fair amount just by making like little line edits here and there. Right. So when you decided that you wanted to write this book together, like when Landis pitched it to you, Sarah, and you're like, all right, let's do this. What was the first step towards, you know, bringing this idea into fruition? Did you divide responsibilities or how do you get started co-writing with somebody else? Yeah, I thought about that. Um, the first thing... I think we did was when she said yes, I sent her one or two chapters um, and then she wrote a third chapter and then we got together and just kind of talked about what we might want to do and then um, we came up with some general ideas and then I think, Sarah, then you went to Europe uh, for mm -hmm. 10 days and I said, okay, when you get back, you might see something, you know, and it wasn't exactly what we talked about, but it was close. Uh, uh, because I springboarded off of some of what she did in chapter three. And and then we had kind of a rough section up to about, um, I don't know, the last three or four chapters. And then Sarah wrote a couple chapters again. And then we had this sort of rough mess. And then we went back and started attacking it. Yeah, it was sort of an organic process. We didn't decide in advance, like, okay, I'm going to write exactly these parts and you're going to write exactly these parts. And this is how we're going to do it. We sort of, I feel like, found our process along the way. Mm -hmm. But we both... Um, wrote the first draft of some chapters and then went back and forth and edited each other's work. And, um, so yeah, we, we kind of like developed our process along the way. I feel like for people who are co-writers, if they're writing multiple projects together after a while, they probably have a really hammered down process where they know exactly what they're doing and how they're approaching it. Um, but we were kind of figuring that out as we went, but it worked out. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a yeah, good match. I, I, credit, I credit Sarah for, for giving this a try because she's a real, plotter and getting everything out and mm -hmm. getting all the notes in advance before you start. And I just pushed her. So let's just, just, just write a little bit. <laughs> let's just write and see where this thing goes, you know? Well, I think it's, it's almost good to have a little bit of a hybrid approach like that, which I've tried yeah. sometimes with some of my own projects too, to like write maybe a chapter or two, just to kind of get into the voice of the story and the characters before you figure out the whole story. And sometimes then it's easier to outline once you've gotten your feet wet and you kind of figure out the tone. Mm -hmm. So you had a little bit of planning and pantsing involved here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good, that's yeah. a good mix. So what would you say was the hardest part of co-writing a book? Because I feel like to me, when I think about co-writing, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people that I'm just like all over the map at all times. So it'd be very hard for me to do something like that. Um, but it sounds like it was really great for you guys. But was there a hard part? And what was the best part, the most rewarding part of the process? I think, well, with co-writing, in some ways it makes it easier because you have two heads working on it. So you have another person there coming up with ideas. Mm -hmm. um, but that can also in some ways make things harder because it's not just like if it's just you working on something by yourself in a first draft, you can maybe be a little bit more streamlined and just focus on your own ideas and go through those. Whereas when you're involving someone else from the earliest stages and you're kind of going back and forth on ideas from those earliest stages, um, as opposed to waiting until you've got like a full draft yourself and then asking for notes from an editor or beta readers or whoever it might be. Um, so sometimes that's a little bit harder because you're, you're having to kind of like come to an agreement about everything along the way, which mm -hmm. can take more time and effort. But I think part of the good thing about that is it also pushes you outside of your own head and maybe gets you to come up with things that you wouldn't on your own. Um, Cause you know, when, when you're writing something, you can be very close to it and very, you fall into patterns without even necessarily real, realizing it sometimes and you use certain, you know, tropes or the same kinds of story beats in your, in your work or the same kinds of phrases. Um, so it's nice to shake things up a little bit and have like another person's voice in there. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was, um, Sarah works fast. Uh, we, we were good at just sending stuff back and forth pretty quickly. The, the one thing is sometimes you wouldn't know why someone was making a change. And so we ended up dropping notes 
into it as well to explain why we thought maybe going in that direction or saying that didn't work here, but it might work somewhere else. Or um, So we tried some of that. And then I think the hardest part was um, <laughs> not writing the book, but when it came time to write the summary that goes on the back of the book, that took longer than anything. Yeah, I mean, it always does. I mean, <laughs> We must have tried, I don't know, 15, 20 versions of this thing. And we were both starting out with our own approach mm -hmm. to it, but but we were clearing our throats too much in it. And it was taking up way too many words in the first paragraph. And finally, we just, we finally got to it, you know, uh, but it, but that took a while to to do that. And, and I wouldn't say that's unique to co-writing because I think that is one of the harder things to do is boil down a book, whether it's a novella or a full-length novel, to that 100 20 words or less, you know? Yeah. Well, we've talked about even, you know, having authors do elevator pitches on the show. Right. That's kind of the same thing. And that can be really tough to take this whole book that, that you've created um, and figure out how to pitch it really quickly. And so writing the blurb is one of those things where it's like every word feels really important because you have so mm -hmm. few of them. So we definitely uh, did more drafts of that. <laughs> yeah, than well, of the other you know, ones. we had these, these paragraphs to start and we had, it was sort of, um, you know, they received a, a death threat. Well, that's not active voice. That doesn't work as well. We started with a question. Then we settled on this. Podcast co-host Raspy Fuse and Salty Remarks receive an anonymous text. One of the three author guests you plan to interview Tuesday night intends to kill you both. And that, and, and we, but it took a long time to get to that very short intro. Yeah. I mean, that's a great hook too you know it's just like finding the hook like what is gonna really kind of reel readers in and i think that's the big thing about mysteries in general like with any kind of thriller book that's such an important thing um that kind of leads me to something else i want to ask you about just in terms of writing a mystery um by yourself i know i can imagine it can be you can speak to this landis um is difficult because you have to keep readers interested and surprised throughout the whole thing so working with another writer so co-writing a mystery was that hard to kind of agree on the twists that because there are twists in this book and especially towards the end you know you're like oh wow okay um did you kind of storyboard the twists in the book did you agree on them how did you decide what they would be you know talk about the twists a little bit i wish we had i mean maybe we should have storyboarded i don't know we did we didn't have storyboarding going on but we had a lot of emails back and forth and we put a lot of notes in the critique back and forth, but we didn't, because it was novella length, um, which is different than a full-blown novel mystery, uh, we didn't have the danger as much of going way too down a rabbit hole and having to pull back because there weren't as many words in a novella. Uh, and what really helped, I think, because whether it's a, a long mystery or short mystery, was to have interesting, fun characters, you know, that you want to spend time with. And we put a lot in the book and tried to make sure that it wasn't confusing by giving them some unique names. I mean, you might think we went overboard with, <laughs> with the names and at times, but you're not going to for, forget who's who, you know, because you don't have a bunch of Toms and a bunch of Mikes and a bunch of Sally's, you know, you've got Mike reader or you've got that damn IT man or salty remarks. You can tell who's who. Mm -hmm. And so that made it, um, I think a little bit easier to write in these various red herrings because we've had a lot of, fun characters that we could blame this potential literary murder for hire packed on. And, you know, Sarah came up with some good names and we added the, the support team people. And so, yeah, we had to kind of think through, um, well, everybody's a suspect. It's kind of like Agatha Christie's and then there were none, you know, there, there are a lot of suspects in here or it could have been on a train, right. Uh, and everybody could be involved and you don't know who it is. And that, I think, made it a lot easier to plant these red herrings than if we just were trying to single out one person or two people as potential uh, murderers or murderesses. <laughs> yeah, and I think figuring out potential motivations was a big part of it, too. Like, you know, like I said, Landis did figure out most of the, the twists and turns of the mystery. Um, but we, we started out knowing kind of where the story starts, but we didn't know yet where it was going to end and exactly who was responsible or why. Um, and we talked some about that when we got together and kind of beat out some of the story. But I think 
you know, it starts out and it's like, well, why would anybody want to kill these people? Like they're <laughs> yeah. just yeah. podcast <laughs> co-hosts talking about books. Like they're not that dangerous. Yeah. They're not really hurting anyone. <laughs> um, you know, did they like say something that somebody didn't like about something they wrote or so figuring out why each of these different characters involved might have a motivation to potentially want to kill Raspy and Salty was a big piece of it too. Yeah, it was fun. I, I people like the, the reason we came up with uh, it's, it's, Somewhat plausible, I hope. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Will there will there be more adventures of Raspy and Salty in the future? <laughs> I don't know. Sarah's got a, you, you've got some plans from like uh, February to May, right? Yeah, so. yeah. Well, February to the rest of my life, basically. Exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> For at least we'll 18 see, years. We'll <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll see how people like it. I mean, I... I, I it would be fun to co-write again if, if, you know, I'm all about trying new things, obviously. I mean, after practicing law for 35 mm-hmm. and then starting a podcast. So it's been fun for me to write. Uh, it was fun to write the Christmas series. It was fun to write Daily Decorations. But then it was fun to do the nonfiction books. And now I've tried co-writing and done this. So who knows? We may come up with another idea. Maybe all three of us will write a book together, Hannah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I was going to say earlier, we were talking about Dr. Speak to Me, you know, therapists dealing with writers. I would say that's like a synonym for a publicist. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The closest we got to the publicist was uh, Barry Book on yeah. the uh, podcast book. Yeah. yeah. Maybe so. that's the next one that I can help with is the uh, book publicity murder trials or yeah. something. Yeah. But, but we did, we did want to try this because we've seen other authors do it and Really, folks, um, you know, when you're trying to write and build up a sort of a backlist and everything, it's nice to have different options for readers. You know, sometimes it's nice to have a short piece. Uh, but we treated this like it was going to be uh, that it needed to be treated with respect. So that's why we got the advanced readers. That's why we worked hard on the editing. That's why we put it through Pro Writing Aid. Um, so we did all that, but we also wanted it to be available in different formats. You know, print, ebook, and uh, audiobook and uh because you know podcasting is a dangerous business (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh well what i guess closing out what is what do you hope your readers kind of get out of this book how do you hope they feel when they close the final uh page or turn the final page well i think uh especially if you're like a big reader yourself or a writer you'll get some some kind of fun writer jokes out of it um and, and maybe some of that is like a little bit inside baseball, but I think it'll be funny to other people too. So I hope people enjoy that. And I also hope that they're just entertained. Like I know for, for me, from the writing angle, a lot of what I've been working on over the past year or so has been kind of darker and more literary with short stories and some of the screenwriting I'm doing. So it was nice to write something that was just like pure entertainment and that has some humor in it. Um, and that has kind of like a fast paced, very plot driven story that mm-hmm. hopefully keeps the reader hooked in. Um, so yeah, it's, it's supposed to be fun, you know, and this is, like the Halloween time of year it's a good time for a little bit of a murder mystery mm-hmm. so yeah we hope that people enjoy it and just kind of zip through the read and find it entertaining yeah and if you don't like it it's only going to cost you two ninety nine <laughs> if you get the ebook <laughs> and the print book we priced so that we barely make a half a cent profit at mm-hmm. $9.99 so uh, an audiobook is going to be somewhere in between that so yeah we're not doing this uh, to make money it's, it's kind of uh, when you buy them you're supporting the podcast it kind of uh, helps get the word out uh, about what we're doing as podcasters. And hopefully people realize that, uh, you know, we're not taking ourselves too seriously here either uh, as podcasters and that writing, uh, there should be a fun side to the writing process. Mm-hmm. After all, we did the whole book on the emotional writing journey, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. But this is just a way to kind of kick back. It's not a very long read, um, and hopefully people get a laugh out of it and uh, have a good time with it. I love that. And I think, um, you know, we're also kind of, rolling into the holiday season right now and um, I know for me and probably for you guys and hopefully a lot of our listeners it's like you get a lot of extra time to kind of snuggle up on the couch and do some reading and this is sort of the perfect cozy mystery I would definitely say Um, get next to your fireplace and just read it Um, great gift for folks who love thrillers and um, you know even books just character driven stories I feel like it was really great for that so I appreciate you guys um, talking about it today and letting me be an early reader I'm so honored and I am definitely going to be getting a couple copies for my family members who love uh, mysteries as well so and I think today is the official publication date right well let's see November 7th no we have one week one week, uh, left. One week so left November 14th getting ahead of yeah, myself so but <laughs> hey it's still time to pre-order right yeah you can still yeah. pre-order the book. 
Uh, and it's, uh, you know, we put it wide so you can get it on any mm-hmm. kind of reader that you like to use um, if, if that's your interest. And it, but if you want to come, just a reminder here, if you're in the Charlotte area, November the 15th, which is uh, eight days from today, Sarah and I are going to be at Park Road Books, and uh, we're going to have the writing books there. We're going to have Death by Podcasting, and we'll talk uh, more about this uh, this dangerous business that we're in of interviewing mm-hmm. authors. And, and hopefully, you know, I mean, we're pretty confident that none of the people we've interviewed are murderers, and hopefully <laughs> none that we'll interview in the future have that uh, in mind either. <laughs> Maybe that's another takeaway for anyone who might be listening or yeah. reading if they're thinking of starting a podcast, just like do background checks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when your support staff, all your authors, yeah. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, thanks, Hannah. We, we really appreciate uh, you taking the lead on this and uh, also very appreciative to all of our advanced readers who've got the book now too and he'll be leaving reviews and uh if you want to help us uh spread the word about death by podcasting which indirectly spreads the word about the podcast yeah uh, if you can pick it up somewhere and leave us a short review honest uh, review online that's great we'd appreciate it yeah yeah thanks hannah for um reading this and <laughs> giving us some great questions and uh for supporting the book and yeah thanks to everyone out there for reading For all things Charlotte Readers Podcast, check out charlottereaderspodcast.com. You can find a list of all episodes, an alphabetical guest list with links, detailed show notes for each episode, a community blog, and more. We'd love to have you visit. All right, here we are in Act 2. Uh, we've got a blog post. Uh, Kara Kagan, uh, title of the blog post is Rejection Perfection. Sarah, you want to tell us about Kara? Yeah, sure. So Kara Kagan is a writer and a musician. She's contributed to many national magazines like Self, Shape, Fitness, Glamour, Real Simple, InStyle, and Harper's Bazaar. Um, She started out writing beauty as an editor for the Fashion and Beauty Bible Women's Wear Daily. Then she went on to become a beauty and fitness director um, for YM, Mode, and Elle magazines. She's most proud of creating Girl Magazine, which is the first multicultural and multi-sized fashion and beauty magazine for teens. Um, On her uh, other writing side. She's also the author of The Rise, Fall, and Return of Sarah Mandelbaum, which came out uh, June of this year from Wild Rose Press. Yeah, and she was, um, you can find her blog on our website, charlotterspodcast.com. And if you're interested in, in blogging with us, uh, you can find the contact information there on the website. Um, so we're going to play her, uh, her uh, uh, she's performed her blog here for us. We're going to play that. It's just short, about four minutes. Uh, listen in, then we'll talk about it. Rejection Perfection by Kara Kagan. I know this may sound a little arrogant, but here goes. When I set out to write a novel, I wasn't all that used to rejection, professionally at least. Sure, growing up, I'd had my share of it romantically, but I'm married 31 years to an amazing man, so all's well that ends well, at least in matters of the heart. I was always cast as the lead in school and camp plays. I was named editor of all the literary magazines and yearbooks. Since I applied early decision to college and was accepted, I never received any of those dreaded skinny envelopes whose contents regretted to inform me I would have to go elsewhere for my higher education. When I graduated from college, I got the first job I applied for, even if it wasn't the job of my dreams. I pretty much landed every gig I wanted after that, gaining some success as a top editor of women's magazines. In fact, I refused far more jobs than I accepted. One day, three major magazines offered me three different major positions within minutes of each other. But all of that was about to change dramatically. Great expectations. While in the middle of a particularly rough time caring for my four elderly parents, who happened to be in four different hospitals simultaneously, I decided to take a creative writing workshop. I figured I'd earn two hours to myself every week. My novel grew from a prompt the teacher gave us. The class was so positive about my resulting piece and its characters that it urged me to extend it into a short story, which got even more enthusiastic feedback. So, I began trying to write a full-fledged novel that also received praise and accolades at several different workshops. A fellow student who is a published author and editor offered to edit my manuscript gratis so he could be part of a best-selling novel. My brother's friend, a literary agent who didn't rep friends, read it 
gave me some feedback and assured me a top agent would pick it up easy peasy, lemon squeezy, and even gave me a list of them to query. At first, things seemed to be going well. Every agent I queried requested more pages, chapters, and even the entire manuscript. And then the axe fell and at an alarming rate. My book didn't fit their list or wasn't the type of novel they took on. Some simply said, not for me. A few mentioned that they couldn't relate to my protagonist, who was essentially me, which was especially heartbreaking. Some said the plot didn't move quickly enough, which I found perplexing since my teachers and fellow students called my manuscript a wild ride. A few, and I mean a very few agents, took the time to give me some deep and meaningful feedback, which I filed away as I doggedly pursued other lesser agents. As the rejection started to pile up to around the 100 mark, it became clear that it was unlikely I'd get an agent. So I sat down with the more detailed rejections and did a significant rewrite. When I felt as ready as I'd ever be, I started emailing small independent publishers that didn't require agents. And wow, that first rejection was the meanest I'd ever received. It actually made me cry. But then one day when I'd given up all hope, an editor at Wild Rose Press told me she loved my novel and was thrilled to extend an offer. Not out of the woods yet. That was a little over a year ago. I had a brief, joyous rejection reprieve during the editing process where I could immerse myself happily in my book. But now that it's out and about, which of course is thrilling, the rejections seem to be piling up again. This time, they're from podcasters, news outlets, and bloggers who don't want to cover me. Bookstores who don't want me to host a reading there, even if I provide the wine, cheese, captive audience, and book sales and libraries that seem to have better offers from other professionals who volunteer programming. But I will not be deterred, because as this whole process has taught me, you just need one person to believe in you. All right. Uh, well, uh, thank you, Kara, for, for sending it to us, and I'm, I'm glad we uh, decided to uh, publish it because uh, you did a did a great job dealing with lots of lots of issues. It's funny. I was listening to to this uh, fellow podcasters, and I was thinking, I wonder if uh, Doctor Speak to Me could add her to her client list. You know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe she'll uh, <laughs> carry and go. Just don't kill us, Carrie, you know, because uh, if we have you on the yeah, podcast, uh, but, but she she covers a lot of things here um, that are really uh, integral to what uh, we kind of played with in our book, Death by Podcasting, how difficult uh, life of being an author can be. Let's have some thoughts. Uh, Hannah, the publicist, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I love this post a lot. I, I feel like she, you can totally feel her um, heart and feelings throughout her writing. And I mean, it's true. It's, it's like, it's, there's a ton of, it's a grueling process, you know, like finding an agent, finding a publisher, um, getting the rejection comments. And, you know, it's just really hard. Like when she's saying she's, she cried with one of the meanest um, responses that she got. I mean, there's so many different things that you have to kind of deal with when you're trying to bring your story to life. And it feels like it shouldn't be that, like emotionally taxing, <laughs> um, which I mean, yeah, it's uh, speaking of Dr. Speak to me, there should be somebody like her. Well, you know, similar role <laughs> I guess, out there to kind of, I mean, cause it is an emotional process and it's your story is your baby. And it's really hard to get some of the feedback. That's just, you know, mean, not just helpful, but it's not very nice. Um, but I love how she kind of comes to the conclusion in the end of this post where it's like, you just need, even if it's just one person that believes in what you've written. Um, and if you're a person that's willing to take feedback, um, and constructive criticism and apply it to what you've been working on so that it does speak to an audience and, um, in turn to a publisher that's willing to help you reach that audience, that's all they really care about, you know? So it's all about just kind of, um, your frame of mind. And I know we talk about that a lot on this show. It's just how you look at things sometimes. And it sounds like Kara, um, you know, she's got the right idea here and just taking the feedback, um, not letting these really nasty rejections kind of control her outlook or your outlook as a writer on what your journey could look like and just kind of keep believing in yourself and you'll find the person who does help and believe in you too, which is what you're looking for. Yeah, we're not, we're not licensed therapists, uh, but we did... <laughs> 
stay in a holiday inn one time so uh we can we can give it we can give advice on the show we do that a lot we we actually uh empathize with uh other writers who've been through these uh situations because we've been through them too and sarah i know that uh you know you've been through some of this too so uh how does this strike you yeah i mean i appreciate kara sharing this and sharing kind of the honest take of both the ups and downs of her writing career and talking about that so openly. Um, And I think there's so much in here that is relatable to a lot of writers. Um, You know, writing is, it's hard. (laughs) You know, every, every career path, every pursuit has its own ups and downs and, and pros and cons, but writing probably involves more rejection and more emotional roller coaster sort of than a lot of career paths. Um, and so I, I'm sure there are plenty of people who have come into it who have had success in other areas of life and then they try writing and they try publishing and they're like, oh, wow, like this is this is hard. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. Um, so I, I appreciate that she shares that. And I also appreciate that she approached it in such a positive way. Like, first of all, she didn't give up, even though she had done what, like 100 plus agent queries. She kept going. She reached out to small presses, too. Um, she reached out to a bunch of people to promote her book like she didn't let it stop her and she also did something productive with it like as she was getting feedback from um, agents she queried she instead of just being like I'm going to delete this and forget that it ever happened she held on to to those pieces of feedback and she went back through and she reworked the manuscript Um, and that can be really hard to do both emotionally and just in terms of like the labor that you have to put into that Uh, but it paid off you know she has a book that's published now so I think that she's a great example of how to handle that rejection which every writer is going to face at some point. Yeah, and it it reminds me of a quote uh, that was in one of our books. Uh, I don't remember who said it, but it's like uh, the industry doesn't know what it wants. I mean, a lot of times uh, agents and publishers, they don't really know what they want. They think they're looking for something and they're really looking for something else. So one of the hardest things to sort of get your head around, or at least was for me starting out, is, uh, you know, that uh, your book is not for everybody. We talked about this before. And sometimes that everybody is a, a lot of agents out there for whatever reason. You've written a great book. you got interesting characters. But for some reason, as she said in her post, it just doesn't fit what they're trying to pitch at the moment for whatever reason. Um, and so that's that can be uh, challenging. But also um, what I've learned is, and I've tried not to get too discouraged when I get a negative review, but uh, I find that there is so much subjectivity in the publishing world um, that you can't really take it personally because, it, you know, if you write something and it makes a few people happy, you know, and uh, uh, for them to have a good experience, don't let that uh, be weighed down by the one person who's sitting in the basement in their underwear writing a negative review, <laughs> you know, about your book. You know, I mean, there are trolls out there and there are also agents out there that don't give you the the, the time of day. and And the ones that are rude, well, you know, they're probably not the agents you want to be with anyway. So move on from that. But in the end, I would say this, Sarah, you mentioned it, um, Hannah, you did too, that she persevered through this process. She's now got a book that she can be proud of. Um, she's got a publisher. She's, you know, tackling the whole publicity thing. Um, and it just goes to show that there are always options. You know, if you've got a story you want to tell, you've got a book you want to get out there, there are always options for that. It might not be the big five, it might not even be small press. It might be that you're going to turn into an indie author and you're going to have uh, either great success with it uh, financially or you're going to have great success with it because it gets the book out to the, to readers and people can say, I read your book and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what more can you ask for? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Kara, thank you for uh, submitting that. Uh, thank you for y'all's comments. And, uh, hey, In one second, we're going to act three with the book recommendations and our elevator pitches. We have an affiliation with Libro.fm because you can get audiobooks from them. And when you do, you support independent bookstores. If you'd like to sign up with them for your audiobooks, use the promo code Charlotte Reader and claim your free audiobook. All right, here we are in act three. Uh, Time to share some book recommendations. Sarah, we'll start with you. Sure. So um, this time I'm recommending Silver Nitrate by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, which I listened to on Libro.fm. 
Um, this is the first time I've read anything by her, and I know she's a pretty popular author, and I enjoyed it. This book is set in uh, Mexico City in the early 90s, and it's set in the film industry. So the two main characters, one of them is this woman who's a film editor. One of them is a guy who is an actor, um, a former soap star, who's now kind of on a downward slump in his career. And um, so you, you learn about kind of the film industry of Mexico during that time in the 90s, but then there's also some sort of older film stars and directors from their classic era of film that come into it as well. So there's references to the, the classic film too. And um, they start to get drawn into this, they discover like an older film and an older director that has some kind of occult um, links. And they, they find that there's this sort of underground like witchcraft ring going on in Mexico City that has ties to Nazism and there's all sorts of stuff going on so there's a little bit of a fantasy element a little bit of a horror element but it's not like you know total blood guts and gore slasher sort of horror it's more character focused um and I really liked how she tied the the film and the magic stuff in together, like silver nitrate, which is used in certain types of film processing, and then silver is used in a lot of magic rituals. So she makes a lot of kind of interesting connections like that. So it was interesting to me how she did that and to learn about the culture. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was an entertaining read. That's great. Uh, Hannah, what do you got? I love that author, by the way. So I'm definitely going to read that. I didn't realize she had something new yeah. out. She wrote Mexican Gothic, um, which is one of my, I love that book. So you should check it out. It's kind of similar, like weaves in fantastical elements, but not super crazy, but oh, it's cool. mostly like thriller and horror. Anyway, um, I am recommending Stay True, which is a memoir by Hua Su, and it is so good. It's a pretty quick read, actually. It's probably like 200-ish pages. Um, and he is a journalist. Um, he's a writer for the New Yorker and I'm sure several other things, but it's kind of his experience, um, really just finding himself throughout his life. He is, um, you know, living in California, kind of goes through his university days, um, just living as an Asian American, um, in California and really just kind of trying to figure out like what he really enjoys doing, finding his circle of friends, um, and it's kind of a funny story in certain places too. just some of the memories he has trying to figure out who he is, just like realizing, wow, he's kind of a poser <laughs> in certain circumstances as we all kind of are when we're younger and, you know, going through different stages of life. So it's just a really great memoir, um, really good stories that I think anyone who reads it can kind of see pieces of themselves in just as you're growing up and trying to figure out who you are and, um, where you belong in this world. So, um, but yeah, it was really great, really good book. That's great. Um, well, I've got uh, two real quick and I'm, I'm also, there are all kinds of ways to, to read folks. And Sarah and I've been doing a lot of reading, uh, through audiobooks with Libro.fm. It's the, it's the audiobook uh, for, uh, the independent, uh, publishers and, uh, it's not captive to, Amazon or Audible, and I think they're going to actually connect up with Spotify here, or maybe they already have. But anyway, I, I listened to two books on there. One is called Gallows Hill by Lois Ruby. It's really interesting. Um, it's set in Salem, Massachusetts, 1692. We've got a lot of witch stuff going on now. This is the <laughs> the Salem Salem witch trials with two young protagonists, with uh, and they each have separate first person point of view. There's only there one's a, a young boy who's 15 comes over on a ship. His father dies. His mother dies. He's got to help with his sister who's 14. They kind of settle into this town. Um, and then there's a young female whose name is Patience, but she says she doesn't have any of that and doesn't know why she was named that. But she's also 14 or 15. And they're seeing these horrific uh, trials that are going on. You know, women, and I, if you remember the Salem Witch Trials, it was basically young women uh, from ages 12 to 14 who were blaming their maladies uh, of being that age <laughs> on other women um, who were older than them and that, and they were being convicted on the thinnest of margins. And uh, this young character, the young boy who wants to be a lawyer someday kind of takes on the case and tries to help save one of the, the witches from the gallows. It's fun read uh, or listen, which I did. And then a book that I loved um, the fourth in the Richard Osman Thursday murder club mystery series. It's the last devil to die. If, um, I've heard they're great to read, but the audiobooks are fantastic. The voices are really well done. This is the uh, English uh, retirement community for pensioners who solve murders. Uh, 
and their time off and uh, just a, just a great book. If you hadn't heard of uh, the Thursday Murder Club, check those out. It's now four books and they're over the top bestsellers. All right. Well, we've got some elevator pitches here. We've got uh, six authors who submitted to us that we're going to play their pitches. And by the way, go check out the website if you've got one that you want to pitch. Uh, it's not easy, as we said, 30 seconds. Uh, but be sure to state your name and the name of your book in that pitch. Uh, we've had that happen a couple of times, and people won't know how to buy your book if they don't know the name of your book. So here we go. We've got uh, starting with uh, Sherry Kruger and the abduction of Adrian Berg. The Abduction of Adrian Berg by Sherry Kruger is about a reclusive woman with a complicated past who becomes obsessed with her kidnapper, Gabriel, and helps him flee to Mexico with stolen millions. But Adrian's plans for their happy ending are threatened by Gabriel's firm commitment to another woman. Think gender-reversed bandits meets no country for old men with less violence and more humor or Stockholm Syndrome with a twist. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sounds good. I like the. I like the way that uh, she's using comparables, you know, uh, in the pitch. Uh, and that's not easy to do in 30 seconds either. Uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a great way, especially because in, uh, you know, 30 seconds, there's only so much of the plot you can share. So saying other books or movies that are similar to is a really great, like, quick way to give people a reference. Mm -hmm. Agree. All right. We got uh, C.J. Weiss, uh, Secrets Gnaw at the Flesh. I'm C.J. Weiss, author of Secrets Not the Flesh. A family of paranormal experts have kept ghosts and worse from escaping their haunted estate for generations. A young man who's marrying in has to decide if that life is worth it for the woman he loves. But by the time he chooses, it might be too late to leave. Signs are showing a historically malevolent haunting approaches. Secrets start to divide the tight-knit family, and a rift is opening that will seal them all in for a few months or until every family member lays dead. Uh, there you go. That's, that's up your alley. I know. Yeah, I like the title, that. too. I feel like it's very, like, dark. <laughs> yeah. Secrets not yeah. fresh. Sounds like he's a member of a Ghostbuster uh -huh. family or something, right? Yeah. It'd be a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Has to decide whether to take on the uh, the job of the, the family business mm -hmm. there. Uh, all right. That's good, CJ. Thanks for that. Uh, all right. We got one from uh, Lee Clark, and the name of the book is Iced. Why was the woman's frozen body floating in a heated pool? Who was she? And why is there a black diamond lodged in her back molar? That's what young family physician Matthew Payne, a medical consultant for the local police department, has been called in to help find out. Can he figure it out before he lands in the morgue for trying? Get Lee Clark's book, Iced, fifth in the Matthew Payne classic mystery series to find out. Iced is part of the series of traditional murder mysteries, but it also stands alone. Okay. I, I, I love the fact that this includes mm -hmm. questions in the pitch because whenever you're writing a mystery or a thriller, you know, having the questions uh, is better than probably providing the answers. Uh, and, and we have the protagonist's name in there too. We know it's a series. So she packed a lot in 30 seconds, didn't she? Yeah. And I, I think that those are great like questions. Like I, I do want to know why is yeah. this body floating <laughs> in the pool? The diamond. Why is it yeah. lodged in her role? Or, yeah. That, the mold, that definitely yeah. draws you in. I actually got to meet Lee recently, like a few weeks ago at the um, Bookmarks Festival in Winston-Salem. She was there pitching some of her books. And so it's cool to see her, her whole series that she has published. And she's got a lot of great stuff to check out. Yeah. So three great pitches so far and just different ways to do it, folks. But, uh, you know, uh, you might have a pitch one way one day, and then you're going to revise it and, and tweak it and make it better. But uh, uh, good stuff. All right, let's hear from Kerry uh, Green and his uh, – the, the book is The Art of Privilege. My name is Kerry Keith Green, and my novel is The Art of Privilege, and it is available on Amazon and in stores nationwide. The Art of Privilege is a fast-paced thriller set in New York City and amidst Wall Street and features many fun and interesting locales such as – the Doubles Club, the Blade Helicopter Lounge, Sotheby's Auction House, and many more. So if you like fast-paced thrillers with a dose of finance thrown in, I think this may be the book for you. All right, another one. I mean, so different, again, different ways to do this, but but I like the fact that, that if you're familiar with that city and you've, you're going to find locations uh, that might be attractive to you to for that plot to be set in. Yeah the, yeah, the world that it's set in sounds really cool. All right, great. Well, thanks, Carrie, for that. And uh, next we have Gilda Syverson 
Her book is A Healing Journey from 9-11 Beyond the Pandemic. I'm Gilda Marina Syverson, the author of A Healing Journey from 9-11 Beyond the Pandemic. In this memoir, I long to return to my matriarchal heritage in Sicily with my parents. There was something there I needed to uncover. After the Twin Towers come crashing down, my parents announce they will never fly back. So I go on another journey, find a spiritual director and something called Healing Touch. Both help me make sense of the world until the election of 2016, which becomes my new 9-11. All right. Uh, thanks, Gilda. We're going to have uh, Hannah and I are going to do a, a show for next year with uh, Gilda Syverson, uh, Bruce McIntyre. We're going to talk about memoir writing, the best memoirs uh, local here in Charlotte area. Um, we're going to do that. And uh, this is a, she read an earlier memoir that, uh, we had on had her on the show. She was one of the very early uh, guests uh, on the show way back when, in the, in the first or second season. So, uh, Gilda, thank you for that. And we've got one more, Di- Diane Hitchke. I think I may have butchered the name. Sorry, Diane, but here we go. Diane Hitsky, authorized personnel only. The characters in authorized personnel only leap off the page. They take you firmly by the hand and transport you behind the closed doors of small town hospitals. These fast paced and intimate stories are smart, insightful, and at times laugh out loud funny. I am the author and I know what it takes to think and feel like a nurse because I am one. All right, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, small town hospitals, that's not a world Mm -hmm. that I've seen explored that often. So I'm sure there's a lot of good (laughs) material to pull from there. Yeah, sounds good. I like the fact that uh, you find out what the stories are about, and then you find out that she's a nurse, and so you say, "Oh, I'm, she knows what she's talking about." So mm-hmm. she's probably seen mm-hmm. some very funny things happen uh, sure. in the hospitals. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of serious stuff there, but a lot of funny stories too, as well. So, all right, well, that's uh, six uh, great uh, elevator pitches. Uh, they keep getting better. We appreciate that. Uh, thank you for sharing, and folks, go out and try some of these books uh, and help support these authors and. Um, now we're going to tell you what's coming, uh, in the episodes, uh, for the rest of this month, uh, Sarah, what's coming in November? Uh, we've got a lot of good stuff coming up in November. Um, a few different individual interviews by your three co-hosts, um, in episode 365 on November 14th, we feature New York Times bestselling author Jerome Preisler, um, in his non-fiction book, Civil War Commando, which is a fine piece of writing about a little known naval war hero named William Barker Cushing. He was a man who defied all odds to pull off a stunning defeat for the Confederacy. This book is fast paced history about what led up to and how the Union sunk the Confederate ironclad Albemarle in a spectacular mission in 1864, which helped to reelect Abraham Lincoln. Um, then in a- episode 366, coming out November 21st, we're going to feature acclaimed Charlotte area author Amber Smith in her novel The Way I Am Now, which is the sequel to her New York Times bestselling debut, The Way I Used to Be. These books follow teenage Eden through high school and into college as she lives with the aftermath of sexual assault and learns to move forward in life and in love. Um, author Lori Elizabeth Flynn calls the novel an absolute stunner of a sequel. Then episode 367, which comes out November 28th, we feature Ben Crane, who worked for many years in film development. Um, The Jack Ryan and Equalizer franchises were the biggest projects that he worked on. Then he moved into a new career in writing with his novel, A Man of Lies. Publishers Weekly says Crane's ambitious, fast-moving debut follows a gay mobster desperate to leave the underworld behind. There's a lot of bloodshed and a lot of plot twists here, bold and exciting. And the novel also got a Library Journal star review. Yeah, and we uh, all three of your hosts here were involved in these interviews. I interviewed Jerome uh, Priestler and uh, Sarah interviewed Amber Smith and Hannah interviewed Ben Crane, who I think has uh, got some local roots uh, mm-hmm. as well. Uh, yeah, it's from Charlotte. With, but, uh, yeah, so uh, folks, I think that's all we have for today. Hannah, you want to take us out of here? Sure, everybody. Just read on, ride on, and rock on. Rock on, rock on. And as Simon says, when I say, let's rock and roll, bud, he'll say, rock and roll. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, Simon. (laughs) 